We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Trip down was great. Uh, obviously, we went down the car, and if anything, we were there too early. Um, but, yeah, in terms of a travel down, it was nice to get back home for, like, 7 o'clock, which is, like, for an away day, like, alien to me but um in terms of the day it was just i think the best part was the traveling and i hate traveling <laughs> you love this traveling. <laughs> <laughs> so it's to say Let, let's move on from traveling to the football though right? <laughs> what, what was the game like for you mate uh, the, from the away end the game was pretty it just just a theme of this season to be honest and it's just like well can it score goals like i said in the match pod yesterday we seem allergic to goals at the minute. And like you said, three goals in seven games for a team that's in the top five of the Premier League. It's it's unknown. And it's just like, I, I just, it's a horrible feeling, but I, I feel like we've been found out a bit and we're, we're very easy to defend against now because teams have figured out if you stop Almiron, if you stop Newcastle creating chances and scoring goals because we're just, I don't know, I just, the main side we're talking about on the way here, and it's just like I just don't feel like we use the the pitch enough. We're just kind of too narrow to cause it, any problems. Here's, here's the here's the thing, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I largely agree with you. Newcastle have four big moments in Manchester City's mm. box yesterday. Four. The Anthony Gordon air shot. I don't think it's a goal if he gets a shot off, but it's a work of the keeper. Callum Wilson should score. Uh, Joe Linton should definitely score. And Sean Longstaff should at least work the goalkeeper and has a good chance of scoring if he gets a shot off. And Manchester City are the league's best home team by quite a way, actually. They've only dropped drop points in two fixtures this this season. Their, their struggles, if we can call them struggles, um, have come away from home predominantly. They're very, very strong at home. And Newcastle go and create four big moments in Manchester City's box and fuck every single one of them up. So while I'm saying that, you know, teams have worked us out a little bit, we're scoring less. So I suppose the conversation amongst a lot of the fan base at the moment is, will everything be fine because we're creating these chances? Or we can't, you know, zero out of four for getting an actual shot off is really, really bad. Is it? Is it, are there bigger problems here? Uh, a, a bit of both. I, I mean, that caveat, that was much better than the than the cup final. You yeah. know, it was a better performance overall. Um, and you're right, Man City, apart from the, the, the two goals that we basically gifted them, um, didn't didn't threaten us too much, and on the on the flip side, we did have a lot of uh, of the ball in and around their box. To use that old cliche, in and around. Um, however, I think you're being too kind that these chances were big chances. I 
I think you get balls flashed across goal and air kicks in most games of football and you don't really talk about them because you talk about the actual chances where keepers have made saves. Because we haven't got any of those, we're focusing on those half chances that are kind of... Yes, uh, I think Wilson in particular should Joe, do better. Joe Lytton's on a half chance. Joe Lytton's yeah. is good. It's, it's like, a good chance. It's but, a kick the ball in the net, mate. But, you know, um, th- these things happen in football and, and we haven't tested the keeper and we're, we're kind of focusing on two sort of in real time sort of air kicks, basically. And it's... it's um. I really don't want to say everything's fine based off the fact of that. I think I think things still need to change. I think we, Kyle's right. We've been found out attacking wise. Um, Man City did basically what Man United did, which is let Newcastle get the ball, get ourselves back in position. They're not going to break quick enough for that to be a problem. And as soon as they've got their their kind of banks of defenders and midfielders back in place, we don't know what to do for for eighty minutes of the game. A couple of times he got in, a couple of times he did some good passing, and and created those opportunities, but. For the rest of the game, it was frustration again, and um, that'll be the same at home against Wolves, against uh, other teams to come. Um, teams will just sit in, make it difficult, and we're going to see the same thing over and over unless something changes, in my opinion. What do you think about this, Charlotte? What's your view? Yeah, I think I'm not as negative as as maybe Kyle, maybe Sai. I think there were clear-cut chances there yesterday. I think we played quite well against Manchester City, con- like considering where they are in the league, what the value of their squad is, who their manager is, is where they are in their um, sort of timeline, if you're looking at looking at it like that. Um, they weren't great yesterday. They they looked a bit... They looked like they were making hard work of it at times. So I, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Manchester City were a very good side. The, the lack of, like finishing is a massive problem for us the, the the inability i i disagree with si on on the wilson one i think wilson should put that away and i think that i think that um to say like we'd, we wouldn't be talking about those crosses across the goal because they're standard in games well they're not really against teams like man city like it, it is harder to get into those positions and make those chances so you just need to have that clinical finish and we just don't have it at the moment and it is a worry i am worried about that but I'm also, I don't know if it's an optimist thing in me or a, something. I just think eventually we're going to. You have to. You can't have that many chances and miss every single one. And against teams like Wolves or Nottingham Forest, those are our opportunities is, is sort of how I feel about it. Yeah, my, my view is somewhere in the middle. First of all, I thought Newcastle played well yesterday. Pretty well. I, I don't want to get too high on a nil two at Manchester City, mm-hmm. but I thought Newcastle were were more like themselves. Uh, I didn't do I didn't do the free podcast last week after the cup final. I thought Newcastle were really poor in the cup final. Um, I thought they were much more like it yesterday. Were press Man City high? There were more of the you know opposition goalkeeper slicing the ball out of play, forcing defenders backwards, forcing them into touch, which which are, are the hallmarks of us well, under Eddie Howe, but particularly this season. And that was that was pleasing to see, and also. I know Eddie Howe doesn't need praise from the likes of me, <laughs> but it would have been easy yesterday to go five at the back or to th- to say, "Come on, lads, let's um, let's take a step back. Let's look ahead to the next week." Just just a bit a bit like the previous manager, get in, get out, um, not too damaged. But he didn't do that. They didn't take a step back. They still pressed them pretty high. They still kind of there was a lot of good things in midfield. There was a lot of good thing out wide. There were some bad things as well, but that was okay yesterday, as okay as it can be in a in a pretty comfortable nil two defeat. And just to sort of extrapolate on that, even the substitutions made were attacking substitutions. That's that's quite a statement, I think, and, and yeah. something that Eddie Howe doesn't typically do, which I think is a point maybe Chris Woff made when he was live tweeting the game. That's 
that's quite unusual and i and i like that i like that um you know we're, we're chasing the game fine but we're not gonna just okay hoy on another defender or something and and just try and and shut up shop for a for a two nil defeat let's let's try something else let's get creative so i i definitely respect that choice yeah the the, the flip side to it all where i'm going to be more critical or potentially critical is i always thought we'd get chances against Liverpool and manchester city mm. and we did and we talked about those fixtures before these fixtures saying one thing we know we'll get in these games is chances because unlike uh, bournemouth and palace and whoever we played before that where we struggled to create uh, these teams are not going to get 11 men behind the ball these teams are going to create space for newcastle they're going to worry about us mm -hmm. less and, and concentrate themselves more and that turned out to be the case and it's almost kind of unbelievable that newcastle scored zero goals across those two fixtures if you look at the chances and the positions they've been in and a lot of that is bad luck bad finishing bad luck um but that doesn't actually tell us anything about Wolves or Forest, in my opinion. You know, the, we knew we'd get fixtures here. We knew we'd create it to, uh, struggle to create chances against teams that sit in against us. All of those stuff are, are still true. We aren't going to know if there's been any improvement in in chance creation against worse teams until next Sunday. And next Sunday's a big game. Like Next Sunday's a, don't want to call it season-defining because you could draw and you could win at Forest and it's fourth from two games and that's okay. But really Newcastle have to show up in quite a big way ne next week against Wolves and get the three points. I mean, Wolves, by the way, fantastic work yesterday, beating mm -hmm. Spurs. That was a great result for us. Almost kind of a more important result than ours this weekend with Spurs. <laughs> with Spurs, Because we could have got a point yesterday and still been further behind in the Champions League race and Spurs going and losing that game in the 91st minute was was a lovely bit of work from 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 the Wolves. Um, <laughs> Not less of that next week, though. Yeah, less of that next week. Like, you've, had, you've had your one. Um, back in your box. Uh so Newcastle did okay yesterday. That we're going to talk about the game in more detail. Obviously, you know, you, my colleagues on this podcast, you want to talk about changes, 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 changes to this team. Will it make everything okay if he picks one or two different lads? Charlotte, you're right about that triple sub yesterday. Newcastle um, kind of looked electrifying in that very brief period between the subs and the second goal. Um, Man City couldn't really handle a lot of what Alexander Rizek was yes. doing. Um, Joe Willock, by the way, fantastic ball. Fantastic ball for Joe Linton. Yeah, great um, you know, really, really good. Just the highlight of the day for me, that cross from, <laughs> from Joe Willock. There wasn't loads more so to shout specific. about. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't loads more to shout about because as we've, uh, we've covered already, Newcastle didn't actually produce any shots of note in the game. Um, so what we're going to do now is break for part one. There's some adverts here. If you don't want to listen to them, join us on Patreon from £3. We'll be back after these. Sigh then. Uh, you know, in our discussions on WhatsApp yesterday, post-game as I was travelling back, you um, were adamant that there has to be changes and changes soon. Uh, what about that game yesterday in particular uh, has created that opinion? Um, I, we've just described how it was a bit better than the Man United, but it did... Oh, I think it was much better, personally. Yeah, much better. yeah I suppose, I suppose uh, you know, some, some of the, the chances we've created um, were, were okay and we didn't. So there was none of that against... Uh, I still think there were half chances, but there, were, there wasn't even half chances against Man United. There was, there was just nothing. Um, I think it still followed a lot of the same pattern. You know, where we're, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. We're really struggling to break teams down. We're really trying to find that kind of trip. Yeah, Miggy link up on the right-hand side, but teams just know how to how to stop that now. Maxi. When he um when he came on was the same like he was bright for a few minutes and then they just crowded him out gone, um I thought Gordon the same actually Gordon for the first half an hour looked bright but then they just worked out how to kind of shut him down, um what we're seeing is we're still trying these balls down the channels to the to the two inverted wingers, who have got so much work to do to try and get us into a goal scoring position, Joe Linton and Longstaff in particular, they do get forward occasionally you know they both got into the box for the chances we've just uh, talked about but. For the majority of the game, they weren't. Um, Bruno's on the halfway line a lot, so we, we're asking the front three to do an awful lot against, you know, the best defenses in the league. Um, but that won't be any different against uh, some of the lesser teams because they'll just put more play- players behind the ball. I think it's time to be a bit more adventurous. I wouldn't have said we we need to start playing different formations at the Etihad. That would have been a bit silly. Um, but mm. I think now's the time. We've got some some winnable games coming up. Um, we've got to try something different. We um, in particular. Um, I think Dan Byrne is, is the first question I'd like to address. Um, we were really worried, or Eddie Howe, or, you know, as, as a collective, we were a bit worried about changing that back four because of all the clean sheets because we, we were defending so well. Well, that isn't the case anymore, so what's the worst that could happen from, from changing things up a bit? Um, we've said it week after week, uh, having a fullback who doesn't really support the winger um, is killing us on, a, on an attacking point. And to be fair, Dan Byrne looks a bit, forgive the pun, which is an absolutely intended, burned out. Um <laughs> I think um, we, we, what what harm could be done from taking him out of the team for a bit, giving him out your target a game and, and seeing what that produces in terms of having a proper fullback to support the winger. Um, Isaac as well has to start. That that Wilson chance, albeit, you know, it's a little bit behind him, but the Wilson from four months ago gets his foot around that and he scores. He would already have been there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, uh, you know, he, he, he had the anticipation to, to cut back, but it is embarrassing when you watch the slow motion replay and it kind of hits the bottom of his foot. Um Isaac looked bright again when he came on and it, it went 65 million man he's got to start games like he's got to start games 
Um, but I, I wouldn't be against the idea of playing them both. I think we, we need to look at, um, at something a bit different, a 4-2-3-1 perhaps, where you play someone in behind him. You don't need Sean Longstaff and Joe Linton in the same midfield at home to Wolves, in my opinion. You don't need them away well, at Forest. You're not, not going to have it because... Ah, Joe Linton's <laughs> suspended. Well, yeah, yeah, perfect opportunity then, perfect opportunity. Um, but you might then also look at uh, Joe Willock. Um, but I, I, would, I, would, I would see, how can we... Can we manage a game with two midfielders instead of three given give an extra body to the to the attack because we have been worked out and we need to try something different like i i don't know M- miggy as well very very he's just stuck he's stuck in a rut and and maybe if we change it up a bit and give teams something else to think about it might give him a little bit of space to ca- find his groove again um i don't know i'm just i'm a little bit sick of watching the same thing happen over and over again and i'm sick of us sitting here analyzing two or three half chances and thinking well we could have won it if those if every single one of our half chances had gone in, and that's not that's not really how a good football team should operate. You've kind of gone through every player there and how you <laughs> change, but I was going to come in on Byrne. I think what's very, I think there's a big conversation to be had about him, and I think maybe you know that that might be a, a podcast on its own. But I, it's not just the sort of ability of Byrne; it's the mental um, capacity at the moment. Maybe that's the wrong wording, but he looks like. Um, pissed off all the time and he looks like he's just lost his head a little bit I think Mickey made this point on the instant reaction on Patreon yesterday after the after the game but just to kind of expand on it you saw it in the Liverpool game you saw it in you saw it at the cup final he was get he was very pissed off he kicked the he kicked the like TV boom right off the side of the pitch towards the end of it and yesterday like you know with 15 minutes to go where you can maybe stop them getting a clean sheet or you can get yourselves back in the game there's still time um Isak had come on Maxi had come on like all these attacking players had come on and he and he starts a fight with Jack Grealish like that's just fucking daft to me and and he gets himself carded for it and it's just it's just I think you're right I think he needs a break I just he's not he's not providing the service on that left hand side and he's also losing his head towards the end of these mm. games it's just it in picking up cards it's just not sustainable I think over like I'd like, because to, to the top of the question, Alex, I say it's. I don't think it's the Man City game that's like put the questions to the forefront of like, should we change the system or not? Because I was just counting through with fixtures there before, and it's the tenth time we we'll failed to score in a game this season. Yesterday, and it's like that's a problem. Yeah. If you're a top five side, you don't have ten games in a season where you don't mm. score goals, and that's an issue. And like. For as much as we're very good defensively, and I'll I'll defend that I'll defend the back four, back five to like for because they're great, but like going forward, we just need something different, like a plan B, mm. because if Miggy gets figured out and the one two between him and Trippy has dealt with, what else? Well, we which, which it is, yeah, yeah it yeah, is. It's, recently, it's totally it is. dealt with, and like we've been shown by the top level that they don't need many chances. Foden yesterday and Bernardo Silva yesterday other than that Man City didn't really have much of an opportunity but they put the chances away Alex and we didn't and like at the top level <coughs> that that's the difference and at Liverpool a couple of weeks ago Nunes had two chances he scored two goals like Gapco I think got one yeah, yeah. well Liverpool had two chances yeah. and had two go- scored yeah. two goals and like you've got to be more clinical and, and put teams to the sword at the right times because if you don't take these little chances and this is the thing though I'm, I'm pleased you brought it up and there is a lot to get into from this five minutes of conversation between you all is like is callum wilson 
is he ever going to get more than 10 to 13 goals a season for you? That This is the thing. If we're yeah. talking about being clinical, on your castle far enough along, I don't like the word projects, but their journey mm. um, under this new ownership to, to be a clinical side, what are we, 18 or so months, 17 months into it? Um, that's not me trying to find excuses. But I do feel like, let, let's take Dan Byrne first and we'll work through them all and then we'll talk about the team in, in true podcast formula, <laughs> <laughs> formulated planned fashion. Um, Dan Byrne yesterday uh, is completely at fault for the first goal. Yeah. There is the tiniest bit of mitigation um, that he might, and I could be totally trying to just pretend here everything's fine, he might think Joe Linton is covering the inside, but De Bruyne makes a run in behind, which drags Joe Linton away and there's a massive gap. That seems logical because it seems fucking batshit to be beaten so easily and not even make a tackle. But maybe, maybe he just was. Maybe Foden was too good for him. Once he's passed down, no one can touch him from behind and he gets a bit of luck, Foden. But yeah, it's lucky, but it's also like if you're going to give their lads the ball inside our six-yard box, shit happens. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. That's really poor from Burn. And the frustrating thing from that, uh, if to be critical of Burn, is you accept Burn's uh, lim limited, if non-existent, sometimes attacking outlet for the defensive solidity we got neither yesterday. Yeah. And I think there's an argument to say, particularly now Joe Linton's out, and you assume Willock's going to come back if they keep the same formation, there's an argument to say your left winger, whoever it is, um, if it's a genuine left winger, not Joe Linton, which it can't be, because Joe Linton has done a job on the left this season further forward, but he's not He's not a left winger. He's almost just playing left side. He's left back, he's left mid. Wherever he plays, he's doing a role somewhere on the left for the team because he's an extraordinary footballer, who, by the way, hasn't been great the, the last few weeks either. So I'm kind of pleased he might get a bit of a rest now because he's, he's so intense. But there is an argument, that, particularly against Wolves, to, th to say Matt Target... Whether it's Gordon or whether it's ASM would rather have Matt Target playing behind them. Now that's just that might be those lads, that, that might be people listening. People might think Dan Byrne is still part of what I believe is still the best back four in the country who have played three very, very good teams in the last two weeks, three weeks, and conceded six goals. Mm. And it's not Dan Byrne's fault or his defensive colleague's fault that we haven't scored against those six. So that's Byrne. Moving for, like further forward up the pitch, the big one I feel at the minute is Alexander Isak versus Callum Wilson. Sai, you called it. You can't buy a player for 60 million quid and then say, come and, come and play for us, Alexander. Um, you're behind Callum Wilson. Sure, surely that's not the conversation. While yeah. there's a, uh, there'll be an expectation of reality for more professional footballers that you have to compete for your place in the team. If the lad in front of you is doing well, you aren't going to get in. There simply can be no justification at the minute for saying Callum Wilson is doing well in any aspect. And it, it is, it's not just the last three games thing. Although we scored, scored a very good goal against West Ham, since the World Cup, we, we learned recently, I think before the final, he hasn't been training. Something is wrong. Which, If he hasn't yeah. been training with the group, it suggests it's a fitness issue. Mm -hmm. You have to play Isaac. You, ju you just have to. When, when he came on yesterday, Manchester City, I wouldn't say they panicked. but they, Couldn't they, deal with him. They, they couldn't deal with him. The, 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 the passes in between the lines, the runs in between the lines, the runs in behind. I think it was Nathan, Nathan Ake makes a great tackle against him. But, but even kind of turning Manchester City around like that, we hadn't done it all game. And the fact that the, the chances that we had before Isaac came on, what kind of really well worked intricate play? Um, the goal, the goal, the the, the chance for, for Wilson when Trippier heads it back would have been one of the great team goals of the season. But we're not good enough to produce that across ninety minutes yeah. regularly. What we need is a fast lad running in behind on the end of balls, getting snapshots off, and you're just not going to get it from Callum Wilson. I don't like who wants to come in. I, I seriously, and I love Callum Wilson. I just don't think that like that there's a realistic argument to be made for keeping Alexander Isak out of this side. 
I think Wilson's lost a yard of pace and that it could be one of the reasons you've just said. We don't know, but yeah, the, the training, the, he's worried about his hamstrings, this mysterious illness he had at Christmas time. COVID, could be, it was COVID. Could be any, any of the above, uh, but he just doesn't look quick. He, he was sharp before the World Cup. He was he was going toe-to-toe with fast defenders and getting to the ball first. Or maybe it was a bit desire. Maybe it was that, you know, the real push to get in the World Cup squad because I think the, the bit of hunger there is lacking as well. But... Um, there was times yesterday when kind of the balls are going down the channels and he's, he's kind of chasing it, but the defender's like two or three yards away from him by the time he gets to the ball. And it's like, what, what's he offering us now? Because you're right, you need someone quick up front. And especially with um, with Gordon and Miggy, someone has to be at their pace. It all has to be quicker. Um, and we keep talking about the fact that teams, even Man City and Man United, just know to get, get everyone in behind the ball, get everyone set up um, because we're not going to be quick enough to break on them. And Wilson is slowing that down as well now. So yeah, I, I, I fully advocate... Um, Take them out of the limelight, let him get fit again. You know, it won't be the end of him. It just, you know, we've got a striker there ready to go and we've got to start using him. And Wilson, it's starting to get a bit painful just seeing him try every week and nothing's really improving for him. So, yeah, absolutely. It's 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 time to change. I fully agree, to be fair. And I was, I think we were shocked, Alex, when we seen the team and that Wilson was there because we were talking about it on the way down that we thought he should be dropped. Because he has since the World Cup, he's just been a shadow of himself, and he hasn't looked the same. And it's just with how good Isak has been when he's came into games, he was probably the best player at Wembley when he came on. He was the best player at the Etihad when he came on. Um, he scored against Fulham, who are who are a very good side this season. Um, even if even if you have to persist with Wilson and play two up top or play Isak in a number 10 role, which I think he could do really well because he's good at linking the play. Um, even if you do something like that, Isak has got to play. You don't pay 60 million to, to play him on the, put him on the bench. And albeit it is a nice option to bring off the bench, but Isak should be starting games. He's linking plays, being a threat that's different to what to what teams have found us out to be this season with Miggy and, and Trippier. You offer something completely different. And for me, I think the can it. I, th- I, I think it's just criminal if the if he if how keeps putting them on the bench because Isak should be starting games for forward. It's I I love Eddie Howe and I think everybody else does as well. But if he keeps resting, Isak, do you think this is loyalty? People have people yeah, said this yesterday. He's loyal to players who've done well by him. It's it's an interesting conversation, and I can't understand it myself because I think Eddie Howe's a very. Um, like pragmatic sort of person. I think he's a very um, stats driven person. I think he's very data driven. Like the the way that the club is being built in the in behind the scenes. You know they're looking for a head of data. They, they look at all this analytics. He spent his time off digitizing all of his notes and all of that stuff. It would it would seem totally incongruous to me that with all of that being who he is that. Um, Oh, I really like him, so I'll play him. Is the reason like <laughs> I, I just, and maybe it is, and maybe there is a bit of sentimentality there. He has a history with Wilson. It's not just at Newcastle; it was at Bournemouth as well. Um, but but I, I I can't get my head around it. I, after the performance last week against Manchester United, I would never have started Wilson yesterday, yeah. and and I I just there's. I have to think, again, I don't know if it's this optimist in me, there has to be something else. There has to be a reason that Isak isn't starting and Wilson is because he's not getting on the end of those balls and he's not scoring goals and that is his job. That's his main job. Um, 
And Isak can, can as, as you know, Sai and, and Kyle have said, Isak can change the game. He stretches the game. He pulls their defenders in different directions and and gets into space that Callum Wilson at the moment just isn't. So I, I don't want to believe it's loyalty because to me that seems stupid. And I don't think we've got space for that at the moment. Um, but but maybe it is. We're not we're not talking about like rip up the the entire um, plan and, and and start again. We're just mm. talking about it needs tweaking. It needs some changes. You know, changing from a four three three to a four two three one. For example, I'm not saying that's what we have to do. Isn't a, a huge change. It's just a change. It's slightly different. We're talk, we're talking about swapping out one or two players for world class players that we've bought in the last twelve months. You know, so um, it's not like we're asking for Steve McLaren chaos and just different teams every week, different people playing up front and just no one knows what's going on. Um, we know what our best team is. We know who our best players are, but we just think something needs to be done to freshen it up. Mm. Um, I think there is a bit of loyalty there, but I also think um, Eddie Howe, and rightly so, when we were playing really well, I was like, well, I'm not going to change it. You know, I'll look really silly if I change it. I, th- I thought the same before the, the cup final. We'd already started on this little down slump, but he would have... He would have been criticised heavily if he changed things up and got the same result in the cup finals. Like, well, stick to what I know. You know, these lads have, have shown over the course of, of the um, five six months of the season so far that they could they could perform. Um, now that we've kind of we haven't turned it round and we've got this kind of was it seven games, Kyle, with, with three yeah. goals and it's really kind of um, it's evident we need to do something. I think the the loyalty starts to look a bit silly as well. So how I'm you know he's, he's smart enough to to make a decision on this, but. He must be looking at now saying, I can't really say keep it the same because it's been going well. Uh, and yes, Man City was was a little bit better, but um, it was a little bit better and still a 2-0 defeat to a side that probably didn't really get out of second or third gear. So yeah, I think he's got to be looking at it and thinking, I can't just keep sticking with these lads if, um, if the results aren't coming. And I'm sure he will he will make those changes because you know he's, he's a great manager and, and we all back him. But um, failing that, he'll, he'll be working on relentlessly on the training ground to... to try and improve the results in those areas because you're right charlotte we know he's very data-driven and very much um he'll be looking back and think well actually we did this this and this really well and, and two or three things need to improve so who am i to, to question him but i just think um that the the loyalty thing was more around it had gone so well for so long that even after one bad result it wasn't time to change anything but we've had six know. or seven yeah. um, performances that have been below the standards with the hugely high standards that we've set ourselves and yes you've talked about Wilson and Miggy, Miggy in particular, 10 goals in the first 15 games or something. He wasn't then going to go on to score 30 goals in the season. That was never going to happen. Same with Wilson. So um, because we've had these players playing above their level, that's even more of a reason to kind of rotate it and and, uh, and to give, give someone else a go, for want of a better word. I also think to defend how a little bit on, on those selections, Manchester City away, maybe it's not the time to make wholesale changes mm-hmm. to you. Well, not wholesale, but make changes to your very successful team so far. Also, there's the fact that there's a physical factor. You know, Jamal Lasalle comes in yesterday and he only comes in because of a uh, an injury to Fabian Shaw, but Jamal Lasalle was excellent yesterday, handled Haaland really well. He had a ropey first kind of 10-15 against him and then really got his, his, you know, got under his skin, really. By the end of the game, Haaland was basically just trying to win corners. Like, that's not really what Haaland's been about this mm-hmm. season. He's mm-hmm. been about goals. So Wilson and the cells were, were a big part of that yesterday. I mean, Wilson got fuck all from the, the ref, which was intensely frustrating mm. from yeah. the away. And I don't know if it came across as badly on the TV. Um, but Newcastle played a lot of long balls yesterday. And you need, you need Callum Wilson for that. So there may have been a, a genuine tactical reason as well, apart from perceived loyalty or anything like that. Um, and, and he picked he picked a team that he thought would be best against this opposition. Hopefully against Wolves next week, it'll be it'll be different. I think we all we all agree that some... Some changes need made. 
Um, interesting one that Alan Maxman didn't play yesterday. Um, you know, I understand the reasons why. You know, Anthony Gordon looks looks an Eddie Howe player. He, he he protects the ball at all costs. He lays it off easily. Gets back and supports his fullback. It's it, it, it's it's nice that that Gordon got a start, and I'm sure he get better for it. And he looks a really good footballer. Mm-hmm. However, ASM has been our mo- most creative outlet in recent weeks, and be very very interesting with who he goes for against Wolves. I just think, like, a lot of people, as soon as the team sheet came out on social media, were like, ooh, the slow death of Alan Saint-Maximin at Newcastle United. And and maybe that's true. Maybe we are looking to move him on in the summer. We've said it, like, for the last three windows, I think. Oh, he's going to leave, he's going to leave. He wants to leave, yada, yada, yada. I think... Um, I think it's about sort of changing things up. And I also think Alan Saint-Maximin, if we're talking about being found out, Alan Saint-Maximin, yes, he, he draws defenders to him, but he also... It, because he do, because that happens, ideally the ball gets out from under his feet and into the space that's been created by the the defenders being on him. But he he can't like he just doesn't. And I don't think City's the the game for him necessarily. So I I was pleased to see Gordon play yesterday. I think I think he's going to grow in confidence. He obviously wants it. He wants to get a goal. I think there's a lot of potential there, and I'm quite excited to see him develop. I think Maxi's uh, role is for the rest of the season in particular um who knows beyond that is an impact sub i say that for several reasons one he is an explosive player he can come onto a a game when when players are looking tired when defenders are tired and and make an impact i think when he starts a game he always starts quite brightly but he fades after 20 30 minutes and there's a few reasons for that one i don't think he's fully fit i think um he doesn't why is that though i don't know yeah that there 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 are huge question marks about why he fit since november yeah um he's also had an illness at some point um but yes he he doesn't seem to have much more than 25, 30 minutes in the tank in terms of the way he plays, explosive, running at players, trying to beat a man, trying to get um, to the byline or in the box. After that 30-minute spell, he just disappears out of the game. He did it He did it in the, in the cup final. He has done in, in recent weeks. Even I, think come on. I think you're harsh there. You know, the team, teams, when he, when, when he does very well, like he did, he did against Man United, he got his fullback booked, and teams realise there's no other threat from any other part of the pitch. Yeah. It's basically just shift across, put three men in them, and don't worry about the other side. Mm. And it, it almost comes into as much as Trippier Almiron has been so good for us this season. Now, Trippier yesterday did a lot of good stuff in the opposition part of the pitch. He's probably definitely culpable for Man City's goal, second goal, killer goal. Yeah. And I just, it's really weird, isn't it, how we're constantly obsessed about the left side and who's playing there, but never the right side. And that was understandable earlier in the season. But no one ever talks about changing Almiron. It's almost like because he scored those goals earlier on, he, ha- he has to start every single game. It is... Miggy's been brilliant. Trippier's been brilliant. Longstaff's been very good on that side, that three. Easy to defend against, though. Mm. Team, teams just find it so easy to defend against. Would any of you change Almiron? Do you think that's a, that's a conversation? I, f- I think it's a fair point. And like, it's mad because he scored 10 goals and, and like he was the form player before the World Cup in, in the entire league. But... It, it would be a fair to me it would be a fair shout but not because Miggy's played bad necessarily I think it's just because we need that little bit of a change and that little bit of a tweak and I know Gordon can play on both sides so it might be worth trying Gordon or where Miggy would usually play linking up with Trippier I think that would be an exciting partnership and and then Maxi on the other side and then maybe Isak through the middle and Isak Lincoln play between Maxi and Gordon and and, and, and players like oh, I think that would be I think that would be a nice change to have. And then if things are going wrong, you can go back to Miggy against a tired defence, linking up with Trippier, and I think that would be a very mu- much more effective against a tired defence. 
Or or play all three. You know, four two three one. Um, mm. Put put Miggy or or Maxi or Gordon behind the striker. You know, but put Isaac up front and put one of them in behind. What's the worst that could happen again? I say uh, Wolves would be terrified if they had all three of those threats to worry about because I think when it's just two of them, uh, the, this the um the pace our our passing speed is is a problem because when we've got Maxi and Miggy, we've got that threat down the right hand side. Uh, but like I said, it's quite easy to defend against. You just shuffle over. You close up that space where Miggy normally runs into you, which is what. In theory, that should be creating space in the other side of the pitch for Maximan to use, but we're so slow at switching the play that by the time we've done that, they've just doubled up on him as well. I suppose if we had a third uh, attacking midfielder, um, like a Gordon or or Isaac behind Wilson, just for, for argument's sake, there's three different things that teams have got to worry about, and they can't just start double up over there, double up over there. Like we need we need more balance to our attacking threat. Um, because I suppose the issue though, Sai, is that if you play four two three one for all those players, you you push Bruno basically into a genuine defensive holding midfield position. He, he barely left the halfway line yesterday. Like He's already playing that role, and he's yeah. very good at it, and, he, and he, he, he his passing is much better than anyone else in the team, and he holds on to the ball, and he gets us out of difficult spots. That's what he's brilliant at. You would but, like but to see just, him further but just forward. Say if, but just say if you play 4-2-3-1 and Bruno joins an attack, you are incredible, like, so... Particularly since we don't actually have a genuine defensive midfielder in the squad. You know, someone who plays that position, like mm. Casemiro or lots of other very good players in that position you you just I, I love it from a football fan's point of view so i love it but it just seems naive it just seems like eddie howe is you never going to be yeah. as exposed as that mm. i mean it, it's it's an option in game potentially but i just can't i just can't mm. see him starting like that we'll move on though to the end of the show <laughs> um because i did, I did want to talk about the season overall you know three three games three defeats no goals scored massive massive games Newcastle didn't disgrace themselves against Liverpool or manchester city and on a different day take you know the games could have gone a different way we find ourselves in fifth place, um, five points behind Spurs. We have two games in hand on them. Liverpool play Manchester United later today. Uh, Man United now could really do us a pretty big favour, actually, by going there and winning. Um, such is the position of a football fan at the top end of the table that you have to rely on some of these teams you dislike to do you a favour. I'm not going to ask you if Newcastle are going to get top four because we'll probably do that loads on paper and we'll we'll, we'll find out more in, in, in particularly after the next the next two league games are absolutely massive. Yeah. Um. The, the, this kind of discussion online or between Newcastle fans, you know, some people are saying what an opportunity wasted. Should we have done more in January to to make sure we did get top four? Although I'd argue signing you know your second most expensive footballer in January is more than a lot of other Premier League clubs traditionally do in that window. Um. What's a good season from here? And it might be different to all three years, so I'm interested in all three opinions, but what's a good season and why? Charlotte, start with you. Uh, it's such a big question, isn't it? Because that answer seems to change quite regularly. Um, good season was was top 10 in a cup run for a lot of people. Good season was top eight in a cup run. Good season is top four in a cup. Um, cup's out of the question now. I think Europe, it has to be, the focus has to be on Europe in some shape or for, way, shape or form. So, okay, maybe I'd love us to get Champions League football, but we also, you know, we have exposed our squad depth issues over the last few games. We'd have to do a lot of work in the summer, not only bringing players in, but offloading players because we are constrained by um, FFP. Um, and we do have to be careful about that because... You know, you see what's happening at City and it's embroiled in all of this um, drama. I don't want us to be that club. Um, so I think we have to target that top six. Um, I, I absolutely think we can. 
I think we've got enough there. The way we've been talking here, we can we can set up quite differently. We can be creative in games. Maybe we set up the way that we do to start with and then we and then we change things up if it's not going well. But we've got some pretty winnable games coming up. We've got Wolves, we've got Forest, um, and we've got a break to kind of um you know, uh, Bruno and Joe Linton weren't called up for Brazil. So I don't think any of our players are necessarily going out on this international break. So we've got a, a chance there to kind of regroup, um, get everybody uh, fit if they're not or rested, if they're, you know, tired. And uh, and I think pushing on for top six for me, that's that's the answer. It's yeah, it, it, it's got to be Europa League, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I, Europa Conference, I don't know how that works with them. Um, who goes in the Europa Conference if Man United get in the Champions League? I don't know. You know how that works. Anyway, I think it's we want to play in a proper European competition, and I, and I don't yet recognise the Europa Conference as, as one of those. Uh, I think from the position we're in, Champions League is still possible, but it would take a really good run, and we have to sort it out now with a win against Wolves and, and some subsequent wins. Um, I'm not saying that's impossible. Getting in the Champions League would be an excellent season, not a good season. If we get in the top four and got to a cup final, this is probably the best season of a new regime of a of first full season for a manager that you could possibly have hoped for. Um, anything below sixth, anything outside of uh, Europa League, it's not bad, It's but it would be disappointing from where we were, from where we were at Christmas, heading towards a cup final, third in the league, um, to, to tail off so badly and for that tail off to presumably continue if we don't then end up in the, in the top six um, would be quite disappointing. Albeit, yes, Liverpool have turned around their form, Spurs have been winning games apart from this weekend, um, so it is going to be tough. Um, Man United really sort themselves out. They're really good. You know, that top three is way beyond us at the moment. Um, and I think we've come to realise that. So to finish anywhere near that top three, uh, i.e. fourth, and get in the Champions League would be an incredible, incredible season. Um, and I don't think it's as much of a, an opportunity as we thought. Only Chelsea now of the traditional top six are underperforming. The rest are getting themselves right back in amongst it. Um, and we've got to play really, really well to keep up with that. And... With the squad situation, yeah, there's some question marks about what we did in January, letting Wood go, letting Shelby go, and then not really filling those holes with with players who can make a difference uh, to the point where we're seeing, you know, Murphy off the bench regularly still, uh, Matt Ritchie getting games, um, Anderson coming on and doing nothing, unfortunately. The lad really could have done with a loan out, but because we've let these other players go, there's no chance of letting him go, so it's, it's, it's hindering his development. So there's some question marks about January, albeit the Shelby transfer very unique in the way it came about and the player wanted to move and it was a good deal at the time. It has left us a bit thin, especially the injuries we had in January and, and February and the, the suspensions that will keep coming. Um, what would be a good season? Um, yeah, Europa League for me. I think anything below that would be disappointing, but I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be angry at the players or the manager because we've had a, a hell of a run so far and I'm sure that the next season would be a positive one. I think for me... Uh Top, top seven, because I think depending on the winner of the FA Cup, if one of the Manchester clubs go on to win the FA Cup, which looks like the looking at the final eight, um, the top seven would be Europa League. And then with Man United winning the Carabao Cup, an extra place would go to the league for the Conference League as well. So it might be the top nine teams that get Europa League football uh, in the Premier League this season, which is crazy. Um it mental because you can finish ninth and get your European football. But I think at the start of the season, I think every fan would have took top 10 in a cup run. And we've made a cup final, albeit it was a disappointing uh, one. We've had a great start of the season. We fell away a little bit. Um, but 
I fully back this team to finish in the top six. And I think if we can finish in the top six, cup run, I think for a first full season, I think that's a brilliant start to, to this journey. And then you'll have, with the European football, you'll have more um, more flexibility with financial fair play and you can invest. And to be brutally honest, I don't think this squad's ready for the Champions League. I think, in all honesty, I think like it'd be be kind of set me up for disappointment like I know I might get a little bit of shit for that but I, f- I just think Europa League with the level of player that we've got and the level of player that we would bring in in the summer and le- and getting the experience of rotating the squad and the actual experience of playing European football again it's kind of like the warm-up act of, uh, in in lead up to like the, the big event so for me I think European football in in the form of the Europa League Bring in some players in the summer, and and then make a push for top four next season. Um, if if we get top four this season, great. But as said before, it would need to do a hell of a lot of work in the summer to play Champions League football because we'll have a good first eleven for it. Don't get us wrong, but squad wise, would be like we're squad as he says yesterday in the Carlex as Sheffield Wednesday away, and like if we have to rely on a squad, we'll really struggle. So. A lot of work would need to be done in that department for me, but Europa League would be amazing. All very interesting answers and hard to disagree with any of you. I think top six is where Newcastle are. They are one of the best six teams in the league. I think two have, have gone from 11th to 6th, and there's been a lot of money spent, but you know, Chelsea have also spent a lot of money and would be in the top six at their expense. Top six is massive to be part of those top six clubs where Newcastle ultimately want to be. I, I don't know exactly how sell Newcastle United commercially but I imagine as a top six Premier League club both to commercial partners to players to to anyone is much easier if you can legitimately say we're a top six Premier League club it's going to be really hard to get Champions League I'm not throwing in the towel but I look at Spurs' fixtures in particular Spurs have only got us and one other team at the top end of the league like this to play they've got a lot of very easy games they've had a harder fixture list than us so far it is Tottenham though (laughs) it is Tottenham they showed yesterday that they're capable of all sorts but uh, I think they've got to go to Liverpool um, and then they've got to play us and that's it from the top six. And um, it's going to be hard, but I also I also feel like Newcastle have put themselves in a great position, despite the last few weeks we're in a fantastic position, to do something special at the end of the season. There's no reason, I think, with the right changes or a bit of luck, a bit of form coming into it, that Newcastle can't have another fantastic spell. It doesn't have to get worse from here or stay the same. Newcastle have been unlucky since Christmas. There have been things that have gone against us. We haven't played as well. There's a lot to be positive about and, you know, we'll speak to you after Wolves and hopefully we'll be very, very positive indeed because if we go and beat Wolves, the season all of a sudden looks very different indeed. Thanks to all you for joining me. Thanks to everyone who listens. We're on patrons between three and eight pounds a month. Lots more to come of on that platform this week with lots of podcasts building up to the Wolves game. Speak to you all then. Bye-bye. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.